God for that. Praise God. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts from the, from thy judgments neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which spake in thy name to our kings our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land verse number 17 now therefore o our god hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations, the city which is called by thy name, for we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. For thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touch me, about the time of the evening oblation, and this is the last verse, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. I want to teach tonight or preach or treat or something in the middle about the power of prophetic prayers. The power of prophetic prayers. This is, uh, this is, this is a Wednesday night, but this is not just a Wednesday night. And I believe with all of my heart tonight that there could be a prayer that could be prayed in this house tonight that could bring the walls down in somebody's life, that could open up the heavens, that angelic forces could be dispatched to stir somebody and move somebody. Uh, the, the eyes of the Lord are, are upon you tonight. And you're here tonight because you want to. You're not here tonight because you were made to come, but you're here because you want to be. And there's a desire, and there's a, there's a passion for, for God that's in this house tonight. And I believe that your prayer matters. And your prayer can make the difference between life and death for somebody. I'm thankful for that. I want the Lord to speak to us tonight through his word and move upon us by his spirit. Would you just lift your hands to heaven, open your mouth, and, see, and just call out to the Lord right now in prayer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God... I don't believe I'm here tonight by accident, but I believe that you have brought us together, that you have designed, Lord, this service, God, for us to be here and be present together. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that your will would be accomplished in this house tonight, that your word 
would fall on good soil and bring forth good fruit. In the name of Jesus, let a spirit of prayer, God, fall in this house tonight. And I pray that, Lord, the foundations would be shaken. I pray that, God, you would send your angels into this house to answer our prayers. And, Lord Jesus, that it would be for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. When we think about what we call the Lord's Prayer, when he said, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I don't think Jesus asked us to pray that prayer just as a, a mental exercise, a spiritual exercise, just for us to be able to occupy some time. But I believe he gave us that pattern, that example of prayer, because that prayer works. I pray thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven because there's something powerful when God's people start to pray. Amen. We're, we're facing uh, the kingdoms of darkness, but we believe tonight the words of Jesus when he said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. My church. This is his church tonight. It's not my church or your church, but he's building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the kingdom of God is expanding. Why? Because there's men and women of God who are saying, Lord, I pray in your kingdom come in my life, in my world, in my sphere of influence, in my school, in my workplace, in my home in my neighborhood. You are the light of the world. You are the city set on a hill. You want the kingdom of God come? You are, you are an ambassador of the king. And when you walk down the hall, God's walking with you. You, you are expanding the kingdom of God. Man, you don't have to have a title. Titles aren't important to God. The question is, are you blood-bought? Are you born again? Are you spirit-filled? Are you walking in and after the power of the Holy Ghost? Don't hold your head down. Don't be embarrassed about who you are, but put your head back and your shoulders back and say, I'm a son and daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a child of the King. I am an ambassador, and I'm going to be part of the kingdom coming. I'm going to be part of the kingdom expanding in this end time out. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I love progress. And I, I, I still watch uh, the Popper Bluff City Council meetings. I know I'm weird. But I like, to, I like to, to hear about progress and things that are coming and things that are, that are happening. And, and uh, I, I lived uh, northwest of the hospital, and, and that all changed after we bought our house in Oak Grove Road. And, 
And uh, it was always exciting to hear about something new coming to Poplar Bluff. New restaurant. New business. New hospitals. All, all those things that, that, that are happening and have happened were always exciting. And somebody would, would announce uh, that something was coming, and, and I, I, I would get excited about it. And uh, uh, we, we know that in, in the physical world that a building it, uh, exists, it can exist, does exist in three dimensions. It first exists in the mind of the Creator. Somebody looks at a vacant piece of property, and they think, man, I, I, I see a restaurant there. I see a building. I see a house. And, and there's many builders and building trades associated with this church. And and in the mind of the builder, there's a creation that happens in the mind as they begin to see and sense what can happen. But then that person sits down with an architect, a draftsman, and begins to describe, I see a building about this wide and this tall and this deep and has these features and serves this function. Finally, the architect comes and says, well, I got your building ready. I want you to come by and see your building. And so you come by and and you sit down at the architect's office and he rolls out the blueprints and brings out the, the 3D tour and you're taking a tour through a building where there has been no earth move. There has been no boards cut. There has been no sound of a saw or a hammer, but you're you're working through this 3D image and you're saying, man, this is my building. This is this is amazing. And you, and you walk through it. But then finally, uh, the day comes and the permits are pulled and, and the earth mover moves to the site and earth begins to, to, to move and and, and and you get excited about what's fixing to happen. I remember uh, I told my wife, I said, there's a Hobby Lobby coming. I knew if I ever couldn't find my wife, I'd go to Hobby Lobby or Ross and I knew I could find her in one of those two places. And and But but it was just an announcement. It was just a, an idea in somebody's mind. But finally, there it is. And the building goes up and the sign goes up. And we get excited. And finally, you walk in and say, man, look at this building that they built. I would propose to you that what happens in the spiritual is reflected in the natural. And there are things that happen in stages. And, and we might uh, think, well, when, it fi- when I finally see it, that's when it's created. No, it happens first in the mind of God. And God has a preferred preferred future for us. And, and, and he sees things that our eyes can't see and our ears can't hear. And, 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 and they haven't even entered into our imagination the things that God hath prepared for us that love him. But he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. And all of a sudden we start working our way through the word. And we start seeing that I, I, I can be forgiven. I, I can be free. I, I can live different. I, I can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's gone from one creation in the mind of the creator, that lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. But now it's been written into the word, into its second creation, and we get a hold of it. We get a hold of it in our mind, and we get a hold of it in our spirit. And all of a sudden, nobody else uh, may, may sense it but us. But we get a hold of a word from God, and we know, hey, it's coming. Uh, other people may not be able to sense it. They may not be able 
able to see it. But we know that it's already been created in the first and the second dimension. But then God puts it into our spirit and he says, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to take what I've already declared and what I have already created in my mind and in my word and how are you going to deal with it? And he gives it to us. And that's the moment that this prophetic prayer kicks in as I begin to understand the will and purpose of God for my life and for my ministry and for my marriage and for my family and for my community and for those around me. God says, are you going to pray? Thy will be done and thy kingdom come as it and let it be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we begin to pray something into its final creation. in this house right now. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, you, you, you heard him right. You got a word from God, and he is not a man that he should lie. Hallelujah. But sometimes there has to be a Daniel. There has to be a man or woman of God that says, you know what? I'm not going to quit praying until I see it in its final dimension. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It may not be exactly what I've seen in the spirit yet. It may have not made its way into the natural, but I'll tell you what, I'm not giving up on the promises of God. I'm not giving up on the word of God, but I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to fast. I'm going to I'm going to continue to worship because he's already declared it. He's already said it's going to happen. He has already put it into my heart. I might as well get excited about it on a Wednesday night. I might as well get excited about the revival that's coming. I might as well get excited about my lost loved one that's going to be at an altar of repentance. Why? Because I'm going to pray a prophetic prayer. It is going to happen. It is going to come to pass. They are going to be free. There is going to be a revival. Oh, somebody clap your hands and thank God. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that that Daniel understood the word of the Lord as it was said through the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Jeremiah 29 and 10 says, For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you to perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all thy, the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Imagine being there that day as Daniel is scrolling through the scroll. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have a Bible bound like ours, but he has this scroll. And he's reading Jeremiah 29. It's nearing the 70th year of captivity. And he reads a prophetic word. It says, after 70 years, if you'll seek me with all your heart. 
If you'll seek me with all your mind, if you'll seek me with all your soul, I'm going to release you from your captivity, and I'm going to bring you back to this land that I promised you. Hallelujah. And, and Daniel said, oh, my goodness. I just understood by reading the prophet Jeremiah that it's time for a jailbreak. It's time for restoration. It's time for revival. It's been 70 long years. 70 years of this king and that king. But you fasten your seatbelt because God is fixing to take us back to that place of blessing and that place of revival and that place of promise. Somebody pack your bags because I'm going to pray us into revival. I'm going to pray us into a miracle. I want to pray us into a breakthrough because I've got a word from God. Is there anybody in this house you have a word from God that you haven't seen come to pass yet? I think you ought to jump to your feet right now, lift your hands, lift your voice, and say, devil, it's going to happen in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray it to pass. God has promised. God is going to do it. Hallelujah. What does the word have to say about your situation? What does the word have to say about the church? What does the word have to say about my future? Hallelujah. Daniel found direction for the future by looking to the past. He cared enough to read. He cared enough to get into the Word. What is the Word declared? What is the Spirit saying to the church? Amen. Let me tell us tonight, let's not be so consumed with what everyone else is saying that we feel to, fail to hear what God's saying. Praise God, this Word is so alive. Amen. Daniel pursued the prophetic Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I value... I value the word. I value a prophetic word specific to my life. And it doesn't always happen in a night. Sometimes you find yourself in between the place God called you out of and the place God's calling you into. And sometimes it's hell in the hallway. But God knows exactly where you are. He gave you a word. He gave you a promise. And I promise you, if you're faithful and you keep walking with him, he will bring you into that desired place with him. He will fulfill everything and so much more than what he said he would do in your life. Just keep on walking. Just keep on praying. Just keep on believing. Just stay faithful to God. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's something happening in the spirit world. There's something happening in the heavenlies. Amen. There's a war going on. But I read the back of the book. Amen. And we win. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in Amen. Daniel pursued the prophetic word, but he didn't stop there. The Bible says that he purposed to pray. He said, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, and I prayed unto the Lord my God. 
Amen. The prophetic word moved him to pray. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the exuberant response we have when a word comes. Peace that comes when a word comes. Hallelujah. But sometimes the, the memory of that peace will fade. But your prayer doesn't have to fade. time I think it's in order write that word down Daniel wouldn't have known there was a prophetic word if it hadn't been written down by somebody that's why it's good just some practical advice have a prayer journal because sometimes you got to flip back and just remind yourself of what what did he what did Jesus really tell me because the enemy will come and try to confuse you and distract you and divert you and, and do all kinds of things to make you forget about what he really said but if you've got it written down and you're praying over it, you're believing it, you're setting your face to pray it into existence, and you can hang on to it even when your feelings aren't feeling like it's going to happen, you can still pray it. Amen. You can still believe it. You can still declare it. You can still anticipate it going to happen because you set yourself to pray. Hallelujah. I find it interesting about the story of Elijah. 1 Kings 18, he said it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year said, go show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. God said to Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. What did Elijah do? He went, he had an encounter with Ahab on Mount Carmel. He prayed a prayer. Fire fell, consumed the sacrifice. Fire isn't any good if you need water. God said, show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. But when he prayed, what came down? Fire came down, consumed the sacrifice. He looked into the sky, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. So what did the prophet do? The Bible says that he went and he, and, he, and he bowed himself to the ground and he put his face to the ground, blocking out all of his senses. I don't see anything with my eyes. I don't hear anything with my ears. I don't feel any atmospheric change. My arthritis is not acting up. I hear a few chuckles, no amens. How many can tell the weather's changing? Okay, see, there's that amen. See, I knew you were out there. Elijah doesn't, can I say nothing down here? He doesn't feel nothing. It's good to be home in Popper Bluff with all Ewans. You're from Fisk. It's Ewans, right? I thought so. It's y'all if you're Popper Bluff. It's Ewans if you live at Fisk and Brosley. I don't see nothing. I don't feel nothing. I don't hear nothing. God, you said if I showed myself to Ahab, rain was coming. Where's the rain? You could have been mad at God. Lord, I did it. Man, I, I put myself out there. I put the sacrifice in order. I built the altar. I did everything like you told me to do, and there's not a rain cloud in the sky. But he didn't get mad at God. He recognized his participation in a word from God, and he set himself to pray, and he started praying, and he sent the servant and said, go look. He came back and said, nothing. I don't see nothing. What did he do? He prayed again. 
seven times, ignoring everything that he saw, everything that he heard, and everything he felt because he knew, I have a word from God that rain's going to come. Sometimes we get a word from God and we just sit back and say, well, bless God, I'm just going to wait and see what God does. Boy, yeah, pastor said this is going to happen. Brother Dustin said this is going to happen, but I, I'll just wait and see. I'll just sit here and wait. Uh, I'll see if God's true to what he said. I'll tell you, you might sit there until you die. But if you make up in your mind and you respond in faith, you know what? That's a word from God. And I'm going to be part of seeing it come to pass. I'm going to pray a prophetic prayer. God said it's going to rain. So if, if it takes seven times or 70 times, I believe God is a God of his word, and he's going to make it happen. And he kept praying, and finally the servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, that's all that I need. Let's get off this mountain because there's a gully washer, toad strangler fixing to come. Amen. On this mountain, we better get down. Amen. God said it would happen, but we've now prayed it to pass. Oh, what would happen if God's people would not just shout about a prophetic word, but they would pray a prophetic word until they see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Lift your voice to Jesus right now and praise him in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The power's in your prayer. The power's in your prayer. The power's in your prayer. It's already been prophesied. It's already been declared. But there's got to be somebody rise up and say, hey, we're going to get a hold of the horns of the altar. We're going to pray until we see it. Praise God. Daniel, he set his face. It wasn't a now I lay me down to sleep prayer. It wasn't a oh God bless us with revival prayer. But you read the whole chapter of Daniel chapter 9 and, and Daniel doesn't leave any stone unturned. First thing he did is Daniel postured himself as a sinner. I read at least three times, it may be in there more than that, but three that I can recall at the top of my head that Daniel had an excellent spirit. If you want to pick a few people out of the Bible and set them up as moral examples, I think Daniel will be in your top three. Yeah. The guy who doesn't eat the king's meat, drink the king's wine. The guy who prays three times a day gets thrown in the, in the lion's den because he doesn't, he's not going to bow before the king. He's going to serve the one and true only king. He's going to keep praying to that king and not to the worldly king. If I were going to pick one guy that didn't need to repent, if that was the case, I'd pick Daniel. But you read Daniel's prayer. And then he starts, God forgive me because I'm a sinner. I think there's a revival waiting to break out in the apostolic ranks when we don't just designate repentance for the drunk that stumbles in off the street and say, well, he needs to repent and I don't. But I'll tell you what, if God will ever bring us back to a place of honesty before him, because here's the reality. There is none 
righteous. No, not one. And I don't care how holy you are or how good you are, and I'm, I'm not belittling being a righteous man or a righteous woman. David said, lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. That should be our goal and our desire to be righteous and holy as he is righteous and he, as he is holy. But that's not something that I can lift up to God and say, you owe me because of how righteous and how holy I am. But the reality is, is that when I get into the presence of a holy God, look at Isaiah. He finds himself in the holy presence of God, and he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among people of unclean lips because mine eyes have seen the king. Hallelujah. When you see the king, you cannot help but understand how holy he is and how unholy we are. How righteous he is and how unrighteous I am. How perfect he is and how imperfect I am. Hallelujah. God help me. Amen. If I'm going to pray a prophetic prayer, I got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I got my, I, I, I don't always get every I dotted and every T crossed. Amen. I don't always, amen, pursue him like I should pursue him. But I have to die daily and say, Jesus, forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for my thoughts. Forgive me for my actions. Forgive me, Lord, for how I treated that person. God, I'm a sinner, and I need you to wash me. Could you get a coal off the altar, and could you touch my lips? Could you touch my heart? Could you do something in me, Jesus? What kind of revival would we have? Amen. We love praying for the sick and anointing them with oil. James 5, 14 and 15. And we love the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But that phrase, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, is simply the conclusion to James 5.16, which starts with confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you, and that word you in the Greek is plural, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You read the book of James, there's all kinds of problems. There's the problems of the tongue. There's problems of prejudice. There's problems of infighting. There's wars and divisions that are among them because there are lusts that run amok that lead them into sin. There's, there's, there's a double-mindedness. There's all kinds of stuff. And he said the solution to it is for you to set your face in a time of confession, amen, to the Lord and to one another and say, brother, I need you. Brother, amen, could you pray for me? Amen. Uh, the, and then the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and he goes right into Elijah who was a man of like passions like as we are but he prayed that it not rain and it did not rain and then he prayed that it would rain and he said all oh, that will set you up to reach the man that you can convert the man from the error of his ways it'll set you up for revival oh God help us to be honest our world is looking for authenticity our world is looking for people to say you know what I don't have it all together but I'm following after him 
him because he has it all together. He is my peace. He is my hope. He is the reason that I am anything. Hallelujah. Won't you love Jesus right now? Won't you love Jesus right now? Praise God. But Daniel didn't just repent for his sins. He repented for the sins of the fathers. Yes. Ever been falsely accused? How did it make you feel? You wanted to defend your honor. You want to borrow somebody else's sin? You got enough of your own. says, I'm not only going to repent for my sins, but I'm going to repent of sins of men that I never knew. Why? Because I'm going to pray this to pass. There may be moments that we have to repent of sins of our fathers, sins of our grandfathers, sins of our society. a racist but was our culture racist I'm not this but did we come out of did we flow out of things that maybe weren't pleasing to God who's going to stand up say Lord forgive us Lord forgive us hallelujah hallelujah Daniel said God forgive us we didn't listen to the prophets when we should have listened to the prophets. God, forgive us for not repenting when we should have repented. He begins this prayer. Praise it with earnest. And I pick it up in verse number 16. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem. Thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Oh, my God. First OMG in the Bible. And he prayed it with a passion. Oh, my God, climb thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations in the city, which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, before thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, forgive, hearken, do, defer not for thy own sake. Oh, my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Hallelujah. He petitioned God for Jerusalem. Hallelujah. God save Jerusalem. God save Jerusalem. God rebuild Jerusalem for my name's sake. Hallelujah. I believe that this is the greatest hour of the church, but I don't think we've seen anything yet. I think God is fixing to blow our minds with what God is doing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been getting texts. I've been getting phone calls. 
Hey, we just had a Burmese service. This lady got the Holy Ghost. Hey, let me send you a text. An Indian man receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hey, we, we just had Michael Burke preach in Louisiana, Missouri, and five were baptized and one received the Holy Ghost. Folks, you don't know what kind of miracle that was. God using Brother Burke just a few weeks ago in Louisiana, Missouri. Amen, one of our oldest churches, but it was almost dead until a young man came and took it. And to have five baptized and one get the Holy Ghost is, is like having 50 at Bluff City in one Sunday. Why? Because somebody said, hey, there can be a church here. There can be a church here. God can save. God can move. God can heal. God work a miracle petition God and Daniel prevailed in prayer whilst I was speaking in prayer even the man Gabriel whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning didn't cause to fly swiftly touch me about the time of the evening oblation there was no altar in Babylon. But evidently Daniel had made it a point at the time of the evening oblation. Lord, I know there's no altar in Jerusalem, but there's an altar right here. And I'm going to pray in my altar right here until there's an altar in Jerusalem. I felt this in the Holy Ghost today, Brother Williams. 65% of the population of the 6.1 million people in Missouri are in our metro areas. Six point one million people in Missouri. And we have seventeen thousand on our highest Sunday with 156 churches. If we just reach one percent of the population in Missouri right now with our present number of churches. That would be 3,900 people in each church to, do, to reach just 1% of Missouri. God's put you in Bluff City to reach Bluff City, but I say this in the Holy Ghost. It goes much further than that. And you've had a vision for even this area, and you've planted churches in Parma, and you've been involved in burning in other places and been a part of what God's doing in there, but it goes much bigger than that. And I believe there are communities and there are cities that we're a mainly rural organization in Missouri right now. But I'll tell you what, we've got some cities that are desolate. We've got some cities that are crying out. We've got some cities that have got to be reached. We have 15 churches on the Missouri side of the, uh, 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 the, Missouri side of the Mississippi River in St. Louis. Tw 21 churches in St. Louis. In Kansas City, we only have 15 churches reaching about 4 million people. 30-some-odd churches reaching... Four million people. You may never go to St. Louis. I'm not trying to call your people to St. Louis, but you know what you can do? You can say, Lord, I'm going to pray at my altar here until there's an altar there. You, you, you may never go in the city limits of St. Louis, but there are communities of 20,000 and 30,000 that do not have, a, have an apostolic church in them. 
in St. Louis, in Kansas City, in Springfield, 65% of our, uh, of, our, of our population is in those three places. And I'm just talking about Missouri, but when we extrapolate that to the world and the places that need places, I believe that God could put a city on the heart of somebody in this building tonight that all you're going to do is pray, but you're going to pray until something happens. Hallelujah. George White, I don't know where he was. He's in some small town. This is back in the 1940s. And and God began to to stir him up. And in a dream one night, God said, I want you to go and and, and be a missionary to the Javanese. I told somebody about it. They said, oh, you must have misunderstood God. He probably said for you to go to the Japanese. So he went to the library. And said, is there any place in the world where the people are called Javanese? And they looked it up, and there they found it. And he made preparations and got on a boat. And he and his wife went to the Javanese as missionaries to the Javanese. And I think it's now Indonesia. And, 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 and raised up a great work because in the middle of the night, God put something in his heart, something in his spirit. Nobody had ever told him about it. He hadn't read it in the newspaper. But he understood through a prophetic word. Amen. I'm supposed to be praying about the Javanese. I'm supposed to be doing something about the Javanese. Hallelujah. Amen. I know this is a Wednesday night. And I, you may feel like we are way out in deep water. But I'll tell you what, there's some deep water in this house tonight and you're not too young or you're not too old. Hallelujah. Do not disqualify yourself for being the person that's going to pray something into existence. Hallelujah. Sister Mary Chenault, amen, a mighty woman of God who's gone on to her reward, amen, was a prayer warrior, amen. uh, One day, my father-in-law was flying, amen, he would pray, she would pray for him, and and, and he got off off the plane, and he flipped his phone on, and it was Sister Chenault. She said, Brian, where are you? What's going on? She said, God just, just, just sent me to prayer for you, and I've just prayed for you. What just happened? He said, Sister Chenault, he said, we were going down the runway, and he said, there's a, there's, a, there's a point of no return. He said, the pilot came out later and told us we were within three seconds to being at that point of no return where you got to either take off or abort the, the takeoff, and the engine caught on fire, and, and there was flames leaping out, and he threw everything to an emergency stop, and they got everybody off the plane safely. But God had spoken to Sister Chenault praying in Oklahoma. Craig Godwin was in a revival in a, in a state. I'm going to probably mess with somebody's mind right now. Pastor can fix it when I'm done. But he, he's, he's battling things, and he didn't know what's going on. And finally, finally, the phone rings, and it's Marilyn Chenault. And she says, Greg, let me tell you what's happening in the room next to you. This is why you're feeling. This is what's happening in that hotel you're in. And she began to describe what was going on. Why? Because there was something that happened through the power of prayer. Hallelujah. My wife was wrestling with some things in the spirit. She talked to us at, at that board meeting. Amen. Uh, early morning prayer meeting about 5.30 with about 30 ladies. All of a sudden, Sister Kleindance began to describe our house. She's never been in our house. Began to speak what was happening in the spirit. Amen. I'm telling you, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. 
Hallelujah. There's a spiritual reality when God's people begin to pray. You can pray something into existence. You can pray somebody out of the situation they're in. You can pray an altar into existence. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now. This is not an hour to be timid. This is not an hour to be backward. This is not an hour to be afraid. But it's an hour to be apostolic. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. Amen. Peter was in prison, but the church prayed. The church prayed till an angel showed up and said, get your, get your shoes on. Get your robe on. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Set your face. Set your heart. Make up in your mind. I'm not just going to pat a cake for Jesus until the rapture comes. But I want to see the hand of God revealed in my life and in my church. While you're praying, while you're praying, the miracle could happen right now. While you're praying, there could be an angel, amen, coming with the word. While you're praying, there could be an angel coming with a miracle. While you're praying, hallelujah, hallelujah, somebody, amen, is going to wake up from their stupor and say, amen, I'd be better back in the Father's house. Hallelujah. You've already got the word. You've already got the word. But somebody needs to pray a prophetic prayer. There's power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you bring that word to the front of the building right now? Bring it in faith. Bring that burden right now to this altar. Hallelujah. Your prayers are going to make a difference. Your prayers are going to bring a break, bring a breakthrough. Hallelujah. While Daniel was praying, that angel showed up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He said, I'm here. I'm here to give you skill. I'm here to give you understanding.